Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. Derek, why are you smiling? I'm smiling because it makes you sound better on the show. You know, it's... If you if you smile while you're talking to someone, someone can tell that you're happy and it's Okay. Well it's, I thought that I sounded like an idiot. No, 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 no. <laughs> it occurred to me <laughs> and I'm okay, Craig. it did <laughs> it did occur to me as I was smiling and I saw your your face starting to smile. It's like he thinks I think I, he looks like an idiot, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I thought you I thought you thought I said something wrong or stupid or maybe I did say something wrong. I don't I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> no, it just comes out. <laughs> Well, I'm still Ben. Are we starting the show like this? Is this it? <laughs> is this the good? Is this the good stuff that people are tuning in for? This is probably going to be pre-roll. I, I liked it. I thought it was fine. Okay, we haven't actually formally introduced Derek. That's true. I'm and I'm Derek. <laughs> there we go. Now we don't need it as pre-roll. We can just roll into the what's next. Okay, Perfect. Great. Perfect. Hey Ben, I saw a particularly interesting Instagram story today from you. Oh, what happened? Uh, it looks like your wife... Wait, on my story? Yeah. Right? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. I know what it is. Looked like your wife got an Apple Watch? Yes. Yes, she did. Um, yesterday. Nice. As we record this yesterday. So, I, I couldn't tell because of the video that... I couldn't tell the video didn't show, but do you have an Apple Watch? No, I don't have an Apple oh, Watch. okay. I was so, so excited for a second. You know, you're not the first person to ask me when they found out that Anna got one, if I have one. Yeah. I was wondering. It is well. kind of a couple's thing. That's fair. Like usually, like if if I got an Apple Watch, I'd probably want Tiny to have an Apple Watch too. Yeah, I don't know. She um she started running. We're running a 10K tomorrow. Oh, um, okay. The two of us and a group of our friends in our neighborhood mm-hmm. um, for St. Jude. And so she's been running a lot lately. I have not been running uh, as much as I should have at all. So tomorrow is going to kick my butt. <laughs> um but since she has and she's enjoying it and is going to keep doing it, uh, she was like, man, I need, a, I need an activity tracker. And I was like, well, okay. And she, we thought kind of together that the Apple Watch was probably the best fit for, uh, for her. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's, a, it's activity tracker plus, but it's probably the best activity tracker that we could get. So nice. went ahead and got one. And then this sort of contingency was, you know, if we're going to get activity trackers, we got to keep running. And so she signed up for a half marathon in February or in March, which is pretty cool. I did not, though, so I didn't get one. (laughs) So I don't remember if I mentioned this on the show. Did I mention that my wife got a MacBook Pro? I don't think so. One of the new ones. You told us you were going to get one because you were unhappy with the iPad Pro. Yes, that's right. So we we got an... uh, Oh, I got my... So we got a... So, Derek, we're going to talk about tech disconnectedness later. You should stick around for that. <laughs> it was just the Snapchat. It was just the, the the spectacles. I was playing with them, and then the light started, and now I probably have a weird Snapchat on on the spectacles. Anyway, um, so yeah, we got we got one of the MacBook Pros with the Touch Bar, and it is really nice. I really like it, and so does she, quite frankly, which is good because the that's, Touch Bar in particular, or the new just the new MacBook in general, the new MacBook in general, as well as the Touch Bar, as well as Touch ID. It's oh cool. It's all it feels it very it feels very Apple-y, which is nice. I haven't had that feeling in a while. Um like new Apple or old Apple? Uh well, I guess that depends on your definitions. <laughs> well, like Steve Jobs Apple or post Steve Jobs Apple? I would say the price is post Steve Jobs Apple. The <laughs> um, the the actual hardware feels feels like uh an old Apple. Like it feels like it's very, it's thought about cohesively. Like it's, it's meant to all work together. And, um, it was considered for a long time how to, you know, make it great. Uh, there are some app implementations that aren't wonderful. Um, like with Safari, you have, when you open up Safari and you have a bunch of tabs, it will, it'll have the options to pick those tabs, but it'll actually have a preview of those pages on that little sliver of a touch bar, which is kind of weird and <laughs> not, not very great, but yeah, it's cool though. I it's, it's very, it's a very slick piece of machinery, nice and light and thin. What was the price? Can you disclose? <laughs> Approximately? Uh, the, the one we got was, uh, I actually walked into an Apple store because I didn't want to wait for two weeks or three weeks for it to ship. And I bumped up the processor two times more than I really wanted to. So it ended up being something like $2,700 for 
for the laptop, okay. something like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a, I mean, it'll last her for a good long time. Her old, her old one lasted her for eight years, something like that. Anyway. Well, that sounds good to me because I'm coming up on eight years, so. Yeah. I must be due. You do the monthly cost analysis of that and it's, eh, it's, what? Like, I don't know how much it is. Small enough for me. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the news. This is Tech You Should Know, where we bring you a few tech news stories from the past week that we want to talk about. Reddit is going to start issuing warnings, timeouts, and permanent bans to its most abusive trolls, and will also start limiting the content manipulation abilities of its own engineers after a snafu with CEO Steve Huffman. Turns out, Steve Huffman was getting some crap from members of a well-known trollish subreddit called r slash the Donald. I don't actually know what the terminology is there, do I? Like verbalize the slash. <laughs> it's, it's actually r slash the underscore Donald. Oh my goodness! I don't actually know either. I'm not a redditor. Please don't. Me neither. Don't email I me. I kind of hate redditor. Reddit. <laughs> not redditors. You kind of hate Reddit. it. <laughs> but yeah. but anyway, these people were leaving many not so nice comments that referred to Steve Huffman's uh, username. Huffman then responded like any self-respecting CEO of a huge website. He used his mighty internet powers to edit those comments, insulting him, and replaced his user tag with those of moderators of r slash the underscore Donald. He has since apologized and noted that Reddit as a company is changing the abilities of engineers to edit content so this sort of thing doesn't happen in the future. And in addition to that, now Reddit is going to start identifying the troublemakers and issuing warnings and the like in order to start attacking the harassment issue head on. Ah, Reddit trauma. Some of my favorite internet trauma of the internet. It makes me lose faith in mankind. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit. GoPro has announced it is cutting 15% of its workforce, about 200 jobs, in order to reduce operational costs for 2017. Hasn't been a good year for GoPro. They made cuts of 7% back in January, then had to recall its new Karma drone just last month. They still remain optimistic, saying in a statement, We are headed into 2017 with a powerful global brand, our best ever products, and a clear roadmap for restored growth and profitability in 2017. Craig, don't you have GoPro things? I do not. Oh, okay. I have a a similar action camera. um, Oh, okay, gotcha. 1080p video, but it's not a GoPro branded one. No. I've thought about getting one a few times, but the price just seems, I don't know. They do For what they really are and what expensive. they can do, it seems expensive. Yeah. I've heard the comparison made, I was listening to Twit this past week, and the, there was the comparison made to uh, Flip. Remember those cameras? Yeah, those Flip cameras. Flip cams. Yeah. Um, and how Flip died because it wasn't really staying ahead of the market. Like it was just a product category that was doomed from Yeah, it the could start. only do one thing. Right, exactly. And when cell phones came along then. Uh, and I think GoPro has innovated a little bit, I think, in terms of maybe like um like the attachments and stuff that they're sort of always improving those and you can mm-hmm. attach them to more things and um I think the like the three D thing, like the you know, ability to easily mount two cameras side by side. Um and that kind of thing. I don't know. They've done some some cool things with it, but yeah, it's just like the camera I've got cost me a hundred bucks, so it's like a quarter of the price or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took it skiing and snowboarding and crashed it a bunch of times, and which says more about my ability than the camera's <laughs> performance was fine. Um, uh, and you know, it held up well, and the video looked fine and whatever. So I just, I literally just can't justify forking out for for the brand name really mm-hmm. but so i think that it is a good company and they are doing good things and they have innovated a bit but yeah what do you do what is the next step for a tiny little camera that shoots full hd video and can be mounted to things yeah i'm not exactly sure where I, they're gonna go next i think the fact that they're getting into, into drones is probably a good thing because that's still a market that's doing well and has are they though? To grow <laughs> i don't know like do you think they'll bounce back from the karma well it's a good question. We'll we'll see it in twenty. Like you said, comma, 
Karma. Karma. Yes. Okay. That's the one. My bad. Karma. That's how we pronounce it, which is different karma. to comma because comma is a punctuation mark. Oh, wow. Okay. That is different. Say comma and karma. Karma. Comma. Okay. Well, I can't tell the difference. And ka, ka. Ka, ka. No, you can't I can tell, tell the difference. difference. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Karma. 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 Wait, wait, what's so, wait, hold on, pause. What's the difference between a GoPro, the flip thing that you guys were talking about, and the Snapticals? Is this off the podcast or on the podcast? <laughs> on the podcast. I wasn't sure what you meant by stop. Derek, cut that out. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's on, it's on. Okay, all right. The Snapticals are circular for a start, right? Like a video <laughs> comes out circular. <laughs> I just meant in the ter- in terms of like you guys kind of said that Flip was doomed to die from the beginning, mm-hmm. and GoPro may may prove that it it's the same type of thing. Yeah, and I wondered if Snapticals are in the same boat. See, I don't know that comparing GoPro is that the official name Snapticals. N- no, that's that, I think that's actually like an internal name in the company that that was uh, the, it should the, be the, the official, official name, name is Spectacles. It should Which be is silly. The official name. Um, yeah, it should be. It's, it's a great name. Um, Way cooler than Scrivener. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to need to go on a t-shirt at some point. Good grief. <laughs> um, no, I think the comparison from GoPro to Flip is not quite right, because I don't see a product category that is coming in to take that away because gopro is very much a you attach a camera to your body somewhere or to something i mean if it's to something else you know it could very well just be on a drone which you know i would could see how drones would intercept that but um i don't you don't really attach a smartphone to your body and and go do action things yeah that's the thing action is the key like gopro has has carved a brand for itself out of extreme camera usage like um from what i remember flip camera was more of like a quick convenient camera that you can take with you anywhere and just quickly snap some video like almost like a little point and shoot video camera whereas gopro is is like you watch their ads and it's like jump out of a plane with your gopro go skiing down a crazy mountain that no one should be skiing down with a gopro attach it to your surfboard and it get eaten by a shark with a gopro like it's all <laughs> um, <sort> of, <laughs> Talk about self-cannibalization of your users. It's all outdoors adventure You know, it's in, it's in this little case that's indestructible, that kind of thing. So, I think that's the niche they've kind of tried to make for themselves. Yeah, and I think spectacles are somewhere in the middle ground where you want something wearable, but you're still casual, and it's honestly more of a fashion thing than anything else. Like, Can you use you spectacles video thing? for anything other than posting to Snapchat? Nope. No, see, I think it's a social media play. Like, I think that's the difference is that Snapchat is, you know, Twitter and Facebook and those are the competitors rather than it's not just a product, you know, divorced from everything else. It's the ecosystem behind it It, in one sense. It's one of those things where you think probably Instagram is not going to copy the spectacles. Like, that's probably something only Snapchat's going to have. Um, Like, it is a way to, to lock people into... Uh, the ecosystem and really enrich that. I agree. Yeah. It's too bad we can't just have better products rather than trying to trap people into worse products. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying that Snapchat is necessarily worse, but I mean, the scheme is like, what can we do to make sure they stay? Yeah. I th- I think it serves their user base well. Like this is something their user base is really all about and they've really done their That's marketing true. well. And like, I don't see this as an evil ploy to trap people. Maybe you know? it's not. And that was overstated. My mistake. Oh, that's right. I forgive you. But will Snapchat forgive me? Will Evan Spiegel call me on the phone this week and say, you know what, Ben? I forgive you for that mean-hearted thing you said on Tech Reformation this week. I think, I think so. he will. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you guys know next week. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and finally this week, finally, you can download many shows and movies for offline playback on Netflix. The catalog is a little bit scattered at this point, but all the Netflix originals are available as well as many other things including the Angry Birds movie I found out this week. Uh, so get your Luke Cage <laughs> on when you're out and about and don't have Wi-Fi. Nice. Angry Birds is a terrible movie, by the way. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) 
I didn't think it would be good. No, I didn't either. But I had to I had to watch it. It was there, so I had to watch it. Oh gosh. If you use that attitude on Netflix, you're gonna run into a world of pain. <laughs> I'm there probably more excited about downloadable Netflix things than I should be. Oh, I am so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I I for my job, I am usually like we drive a good amount to certain jobs. Like there might be an hour's worth of downtime in the truck, you know, just driving to a job site and, you know, there and back. And so now I can like watch things on my phone without using data. You're going to watch things while you drive your truck? No, not while I, I drive. Someone else drives. Oh, okay. <laughs> Derek's going to shaft his employees into driving all the time so he can watch Netflix. <laughs> I already do. Okay, whose no. turn is it to drive? Not mine. <laughs> but Derek, you've never driven. I know. I've got Netflix. <laughs> and that's all the tech you should know this week. If we left something out you think we should have mentioned, email us at ask at techreformation.com. Hey, Derek, you look a little bit frustrated. Yes. Oh, thank you for noticing, Craig. Thank you for noticing. I wasn't sure if that got through. But yes, I am frustrated. In fact, you might say that my data has been throttled and is continually throttled. Is it a problem with Ubiquity? No. No, Is it a problem with your iPhone screen? I love love Ubiquity. (laughs) No, my my phone's... Well, my phone screen still does throttle my data, but that is not the point of what we're doing. Is Scrivener not working for you? No. No, okay. Is it your church's Wi-Fi? No. Well, see, okay, see, that was the proper question to ask, but no, okay. Right now, what throttles my data is Google's design choices on iOS. And not even so much their design choices, but just how they treat their apps on iOS. Um, the general feeling, okay, I don't actually use a whole lot of Google's apps, so I won't be referencing, like, search assistant, whatever is there, like every single app that they have. But the ones that I traffic in the most is Google Drive, YouTube, and Gmail. Um, And I have moved away from the Gmail app and I'm just using AirMail exclusively because I like it way better. I think it respects iOS, you know, a little bit better. But I want to talk about the, the... Google likes to live in their own little world of material design, which is fine. And material design is okay. But when you're on a different operating system with a different set of design guidelines, even if they are, if you even if you don't think they're quite as good, you need to play in their ball in, in their uh, playground, man, and by their own rules. Like you can't just make up your own rules and say, "Screw all your design guidelines. We want to do our own thing." <laughs> They just look, and and the idea is they're they're made to look exclusively Google. They're made to look material. They're they're made to make a consistent Google experience. But when you're on an iPhone or an iPad, build it for the freaking iPhone or iPad. So one thing. So this is this is a thing that that bothers me. This is a little niggle in Google Drive when you're uploading <laughs> a pictures. What a little niggle. Just I've a little never niggle. Heard of that? I don't know. I might have made it up. Um, but when you're on Google Drive and you need to upload photos, for instance, it, it chooses to use its own photo picker. They have created their own photo picker out of your uh, photo library. They don't use Apple's built-in photo picker that lets, that lets you, you know, just use the native one. They have to build their own because they think that's right. And it's not because you can't select multiple photos with, like, swiping your finger. It's, that is annoying. Also, um, Wait, have you used Google Photos? No, I have not. Because you can do that in Google Photos. Really? Yes. Huh. It doesn't use the Apple Photo Picker, but it, they have their own and you can swipe to select mini. Hmm. Hmm. Well, still, still, just Why are use you the build photos, photos to Google Drive anyway. Because I have to, because of my job and I have to take pictures of the job sites, you know, oh, after okay. the fact. And I take a lot of pictures, like 20 <laughs> to 30 pictures of a given job site and that sort of stuff. So, okay, good point. Um, and they don't use navigation like Apple does. Like you barely ever see a, um, 
a sub bar, like a bottom of the screen bar. You know what I'm talking about? Now, YouTube has gotten much better with this. They now have like the little bar at the bottom that has, you know, the little selections. Like almost. Yeah, I like that. So many apps. Well. Yeah, it's so much better. Um, right there by your by your thumb. Um, in Gmail, all of those options are up at the top right of the screen, up in the top bar instead of down at the bottom where God intended. And <laughs> it's, it bothers me. It bothers me. I was just trying to figure out how many Google apps do I use anyway on my iPhone? Mm-hmm. So apparently, statistically, people have Apple products, but Google services. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot. I was just Google Calendar, Maps, Photos, Google Chrome. Um, Google Drive things, YouTube. I think that's most of it. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of things and a lot of core features too. Like mm-hmm. rather than just some Twitter app or I don't know. Yeah. It, instead, it's replacing the native apps. It's pretty interesting. So yeah, I mean, I think the the design choices become more apparent and more um, in some cases troubling when they replace a core app. Yeah. The other thing you is you kind of can't avoid it. The other thing is, like, even just like the little things, like icons, like the share icon in Google Apps is never the default iOS, like little box with an arrow pointing up. You know what I mean? It's always like a reply email button. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, you're right. It used to be. Worse. I think in Google Photos, it is the box with the. Oh, maybe. They, so maybe they're coming around. Maybe they're coming around. This is good news. Good news. I'm looking. Yep. It it's used the box to, with the arrow. It used to be worse. It used to be like that triangle with the three dots. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. That was the worst. That was what does awful. that mean? <laughs> like, who I knows could, what that means? I could not figure that out for the life of me when I first saw that. I was like, oh. Answer no one. No That's one knows. That means you've got three options that all take you to three different places. Mm-hmm. And, and so the triangle represented three options and the three... No, I don't know. I've got no idea what that was about. The, well, the, and it's like, I think Instagram uses that thing or maybe Apple Photos uses that same thing for like filters or like photo editing or something like that. Yeah. It's just so confusing and unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and usually it takes like three taps to get to an actual honest-to-goodness share sheet instead of... And Google usually <laughs> yes. has like their Facebook, Twitter, you know, the, those different options like pre-built into the app. Don't Give me that. Just give me the share sheet. I just want the share sheet. That's all I want. Okay, they do have in Google Photos a weird share thing that I don't like. Yeah. Any app that does that, I'm they all they automatically have like a, a red light for me. Like you better prove yourself in other ways, app. Or else <laughs> or else. Or else you will start to shake in fear of my deleting you very soon. <laughs> yes. You will be threatened by my singular uh, deletion of you. Anyway, I think that's all I had. Well, I'm sorry that your data is throttled, Derek. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe our Google overlords will hear this and comply, but probably, probably not. Well, probably. I, f- I don't know. I feel good about this. I feel good about this. Oh, you'll, you'll get a response you optimistic. from... You'll get a response from uh, Snapchat's CEO, and and I'll get a response from Google's CEO. Yeah, we get stuff. Mm, no. <laughs> Moving on. And this week's episode of Tech Reformation is brought to you by Mission Aware. You guys, if you haven't been to missionaware.com yet, I really encourage you to do it. Uh, they've got some cool new products. Uh, one of the things that I'm really liking at the moment is their um, laser etched, I think it is, uh, moleskin journals. Um, haven't ordered one of these yet, but I'm pretty keen to get one at some stage. They look really cool. They've got a bunch of designs uh, that you can get on the front cover. And I think there's options for whether you want blank or grid or lined. Um, so, yeah, definitely worth checking out their range of products. They've got T-shirts, hoodies, long-sleeve shirts. Um, they've got apparel, uh, other apparel. They've got stuff for your house. Um, uh, they've got, you know, a whole range of products, and, and they have some, some really cool stuff there that is all focused around the Reformation, the Reformers. Uh, so definitely check it out. It's missionaware.com.
Now it's time for our main topic. And this week we're following up on the topic from last week. Last week we had a shorter episode uh, due to holidays and we crowdsourced it. So we introduced the topic of tech disconnectedness, the idea that we're more connected than ever, but still disconnected in important social ways. And uh, we tried to crowdsource it. So we opened it up to you guys, the listeners, threw it out to the Twitter and to the Slack in particular. And um, we got a, a good amount of feedback, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank good. you guys for, uh, for, for jumping in. We would have had, had nothing to say without you, <laughs> you jumping in this time. So thanks. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you should be in the Slack. Yeah, that's true, too. You can sign up at slack.techreformation.com. It's free, and there's cool people in it. Yeah. So, on our topic, tech disconnectedness, uh, we had a couple of thoughts. from First, from David Latchett, who recommended a podcast episode by The Art of Manliness about uh, taking time off of tech, which is... I'm going to put all of these things in the show notes, by the way, for, for listeners who want to follow up on these things. Yeah, I listened to this, and... Um... It was interesting. He interviewed a lady, I think her name was Christina Crook, uh, and she's written a book called The Joy of Missing Out, Finding Balance in a Wired World. Um, she had some interesting points about, uh, she gave an example of the lady who runs the Webby Awards, who is Jewish, uh, I think, and so they have like a technology Shabbat every week. So Friday night to Saturday night, they their whole family downs um, device, digital devices and sp- just spends time with each other um, doing whatever they do on that sort of part of the weekend. Um, and so she was saying, you know, this is the founder of the Webby Awards. She's obviously super invested in tech. If she can um, turn off her devices for 24 hours um, and spend time with her family, then maybe the rest of us should be doing something similar. Um, and she also was talking about things like using um, autoresponders on your email and saying to people, Hey, thanks for your email. I'd check my email, you know, three times a day at nine, eleven, and three or something, um, so that people know that you will respond and that you have received their email. But they're not necessarily you. Don't, you don't feel as tied to giving them an immediate response. Um, and so, if you're one of those people who just has your inbox open all day at work, uh, rather than feeling like an email comes in, you need to check it and read it and maybe respond to it. Um, to just get in the practice of of either not doing that, <laughs> you know, maybe closing your email down, or using it. She was advocating for using autoresponders, which I thought was um, not a bad idea. A lot of us, I, I know, I only use them for when I'm on holidays or vacation. Um, but yeah, I guess that might be a way for people who find email just a you know a fairly constant distraction when you're trying to actually do a block of work on something. Um, might be another way around that so yeah she had some interesting things to say again that was an episode of the art of manliness podcast episode called the joy of missing out and there will be a link in the show notes david also um mentioned his experience around thanksgiving and just uh folks not really talking as much as they maybe might have had not everyone had phones um and i can definitely relate to that to that in various experiences we also got feedback from chris ambrose who said my mom has a rule where your phone goes into a basket at specified times, which, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with that too. We've tried that on various like outings with people and even dates at times. Have you guys ever tried anything like that? Like put your phones on the table and whoever touches it pays for dinner or something like that? <laughs> no, but that sounds like a good idea. David McCookie, possibly our snarkiest listener, said that uh, he thinks we made him do all of the work this week by crowdsourcing this one. So to you, David, I say thank you for your service, friend. He also said that uh, he met his wife through blogs and Facebook, and he, he doesn't think that they'd have met otherwise, and I can definitely sympathize with that, um, just meeting people who I would not not interact with, not my wife, but but other friends um, online and things, which is cool. Um, he said that uh, they're both introverted, but tech provides a way of connecting with, with quote, uh, without the awkwardness of having limbs, and so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, could, I can sympathize with that. Yes, yes. 
We got some more feedback from Garrett Sipes, who recommended the movie While We're Young. Well, actually, he said that it wasn't a very good movie, but that it does do a really good job of expressing uh, kind of the generational difference between 20-somethings and 40-somethings, uh, specifically with regard to, to tech. There's a scene where the younger guy seems to not be able to imagine a world without technology, and the older guy seems to not really get why it's necessary, um, which I thought was a helpful, helpful clarifier. And he did mention there's really something to be said about being fully present with other people and that, you know, whatever we might say to defend smartphones, there is an element that, that takes away from that because of them. That Kind of like what we talked about last week, there's, there's some amount of fighting for other people's time, uh, competing with, with the smartphone for other people's time, which I think we'll talk about more here in a second mm-hmm. specifically. And finally, on the feedback, we'll actually get two more. Uh, One from Christina, who said that she, having just listened to the episode, just spent a long night with a bunch of 20-something friends uh, that she said was, quote, highly integrated with tech. Mm -hmm. Um, And she didn't really say that there was anything negative that I could could discern, uh, but just that kind of that's that's the state of being for people our age, uh, for for millennials, for that kind of people group, if you will, these days. And I think that's something you were kind of saying last week, Derek. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the distinction I would say with what Christina said than what I said was that I think I was describing more of a scenario where, you know, you're kind of with each other, but on your phones, but where what Christina was describing was, which what I was saying would probably be construed as more of a negative thing. Whereas with what Christina said, um, she said that it was, it's more like a, an evening with people augmented by your phone. So like showing each other, you know, black mirror trailers or looking things up in order to continue the conversation, much like what, you know, Craig, Craig said last week as well. Um, yeah, that sort of thing, which I think is a net win for, for that particular, you know, type of interaction. So the last thing in terms of our crowdsourced feedback this week on the topic of tech disconnectedness was actually one of the first things that was said uh, in the Slack this week from Paul Harrison. Um, he recommended a, a TED Talk by a gal named Sherry Turkle, um, who he said radically changed her view on this this whole deal. She's kind of a um, a psychologist or like a cultural analyst type of person um, who radically changed her view from 1999 to 2012 when the TED Talk took place um, and just kind of did a 180 on the whole deal. Was really excited about um, tech connectedness in 96 and now is afraid that she says tech is taking us to places we don't want to go. And and I bring this one up last because I wanted to talk a little bit more in detail about this particular TED Talk. So there's a link in the show notes. Um, definitely, it's only their TED Talks, so it's only like 18 minutes. Um, definitely worth a listen. There's some stuff, um, the first like nine minutes are really good, in my opinion. There was some stuff on aloneness that maybe we'll talk about um, that I'm not sure... I would say that in the same way, or would it necessarily agree? It's hard to explain. It was kind of just like it smelled a little bit. It was like, I don't know what's wrong with this, but something feels really wrong with kind of her attitude toward toward solitude and toward aloneness. Yeah, Um, I agree. So maybe we'll talk more about that in a second. But um, yeah, check out the TED Talk if you want to, Um, folks. It it was interesting just seeing the two different perspectives in one person. Um, She kind of had, if I can kind of summarize the talk without repeating everything, um, her opening point was just that we do things now because of technology that we would have thought unacceptable previously. Um, You know, years ago, we just, we would never be um, completely distracted in a business meeting from the people who were talking to us. And she talked a lot about how learning to communicate and remembering to make eye contact when you communicate is like now a thing that we have to focus on and teach each other because it's sort of expected that tech will distract us from each other. Um, I thought she made really good points about um, us, sort of our selfishness um, in using tech for our own gains. Specifically, it gives us control around how we interact with people. We can sort of decide the self that we want to present. We can edit things, delete them, and retouch them, she said. Kind of when you're, when you're texting, there's this asynchronous feeling of like, oh, I don't have to respond right now, so I can really think about what I want to say. Whereas people are now afraid of conversation, she says, in real time, because I can't think about that. Um, so I did not understand that comment. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's basically like a real-time conversation. Like right now, I have to figure out what to say, and that sort of adds an element of fear that I guess people experience now because they're familiar with um, communication streams like texting Mm -hmm. where they can take as long as they want to respond and prepare the best response and sort of present the best self that they could, which I mean, I think that's true. I just don't know that, well, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that is true because I don't think everyone uses texting that way. I think certain personality types probably do polish their text messages, but I think a lot of people, I would argue maybe the majority um, use texting as like a quick response mechanism. And so, sure, they might edit something if they've made a mistake or something like that. But I don't think people spend 10 minutes crafting a text message that, all that often. I think a lot of the time it's it's a quick response platform. Um, and so, and I also think in conversation, sure, you, you do need to think about what you say. And sometimes you say things and then in a con- part of the beauty of a conversation is you, you're interacting with someone who can push back on things or your opinion can change during the conversation. So you end up having to almost recap what you've said earlier or, and, and make an adjustment or, um, you know, make room for something that's come up because of something the other person said from their perspective. So I think, I don't know. I I, I just found it interesting that she was using words like fear um, when I, w- I was sort of thinking that's more like I see that more as an advantage of conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than something to be fearful of. But one of the illustrations me. was she talked to younger folks who say they don't want to talk on the phone, they'd rather text. And mm. I th- and the reason she she gives, I'm not sure they said this, but her interpretation of that is, again, they can present the self that they want to. And I mean, I think that's, that is the way we are. Like, we want to put forward the way we see ourselves and not be judged by others. And it's just kind of common in the culture uh, today. And, and I can think of times in my own life where I've thought or said, I don't want to talk on the phone, I want to text or I want to email um, for that very reason. Mm-hmm. So well, and and I'll do the same thing, especially if I'm talking, you know, deep conversations with someone, like something where I really have to parse out my thoughts. Like I'm much better over yeah, text yeah. Or, or over text, meaning like the the medium of text, not like texting, because those conversations aren't great for texting. Um, but like email and stuff, because that is <clears throat> way easier for me to parse and really convey what I truly have in my brain. Like, otherwise I'll just Mm. be rambling for an hour until we get, you know, (laughs) where, where I'm actually, you know, thinking. Um, and, and I think as far as the, the comment that use tech, that many people use texting to put forward their best self, people do that in real life too. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, the whole concept of, of, wearing masks you know that didn't come from nowhere that didn't come from just the the texting generation that came from you know people who are not genuine in real life and if you're not genuine if you if you cannot be genuine in real life i don't think it's fair to blame the medium of text on that although it is easier to accomplish over text because you have time you have more um uh, there, there's more forgiveness as you're putting together yourself. Like you can more carefully craft yourself um, in quote unquote real time, whereas in real life, you you have you have to be more quick on your feet. You have to be more confident yeah. to to make yourself less genuine. Yeah, it's sort of asynchronous ish. Like there's some expectation that you'll get back within a regular time frame, but you can kind of take as long as you want. Also, yeah. So it's it's not like real conversation, live conversation is synchronous. Someone mm-hmm. says something to you, they expect a response immediately. Mm-hmm. But tech conversation is sort of asynchronous. I also, I based on what you guys are saying, I'm wondering if I'm sounding sort of Amish in the sense that I'm saying this is all tech's fault. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I don't think she was saying that. Um, but I'm definitely not saying that. I mean, I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me. Mm-hmm. Like tech is how I make my living. So, <laughs> I mean, I definitely don't think it's inherently, it's not as simple as saying tech is a moral category and it's immoral inherently. That's not like, that's not what I'm saying, nor mm-hmm. do I think it's that simple. Um, but I do think it, it facilitates, um, certain wrong attitudes and actions that we do by nature. Um, so I think, you know, like I'm thinking of, as I was listening to the TED talk, I was thinking of the first, the first lie or the first temptation that we could be like God. 
And I think that is by nature what we want. Um, we don't want God to be over us, to tell us how we are to live, to demand anything from us. We instead want to be a God unto ourselves and decide for ourselves out of autonomy what's best and what's true and what's good and what's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, if I can control everything, like who I respond to, where I give my attention, um, what people think of me, then by nature, I will want to do that. Now, hopefully, as Christians, we have a regenerated nature um, who sort of, which is at, at war with the the fleshly nature. But I think that even that's true of our fleshly nature uh, at times as Christians. And that's kind of the thing we want to, we want to war against, right? Did, would you guys resonate with any of that or? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think she was certainly right. I mean, that was one of the points I did agree with her on for sure was the idea of tech giving us more control over pretty much yeah. every aspect of communication and that being something that we desire. We we actually just, it's not even f- only for the purpose of making ourselves or presenting ourselves the way we want to be presented, but even just, I think there's a selfishness, uh, and I don't know if that's that's not a word that you use necessarily, but I think that's also part of the the sin nature that there's a selfishness that we want to do things on our own terms and when it's convenient for us, in and in the way that best suits us or or whatever. Um, so it might be the the people that we're interacting with would prefer conversation, um, but we we take the you know we use tech to dictate how we're going to interact and that kind of thing so that we can have that level of control. Yeah, I would say that tech tech enables us to do more good. Like that is the ultimate like goal of tech is for us to be able to do more good, but it also allows us to do more evil in different ways. So we can uh our our sinful nature will come out as well as the the regenerate heart that God has given us as well as the common grace that he gives everyone. Like it tech is molded by us, but we are also molded by tech in a way because our natures like to go to certain things. And, and if tech enables a certain thing to be easy, such as, uh, texting, you know, crafting yourself, crafting a fake self to present to someone. If that's, if it makes it easier to do that and that's something you want to do, you'll be more likely to go do that. Um, but it can also, did we ever do a round two on tech neutrality? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Okay. We just, we just keep mentioning it and then laughing about I it. I hear you bringing it in again. And that's not what I, we're talking about or what I want to talk about, <laughs> but I have to take the bait this time and say, I think I still disagree. And we really need to do another episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, one of the other things she said in the talk was um, that we shortchange conversation with for connection mm-hmm. um, so that we sort of have a bunch of streams out. She didn't say this. I'm saying this. We sort of have a bunch of streams of connection out to lots of more people now mm-hmm. because of the internet and texting and things like that. But we don't have genuine relationship with all of those people. Uh, and she, one of the direct quotes was, relationships are rich, rich, messy, and demanding. Uh, we have, because of, because of technology, we have um, the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. I think in general, that's probably true. I think, um, I think Craig, something you were maybe resisting a little bit earlier is also in this. And that is, you know, we don't probably use technology to present the best side of ourselves or to control um, the things when we are talking to people who we already have relationship with. Like I'm not presenting a false self to my wife because like I love her and she loves me and we know each other. And it's like, I'm not doing that with her. I I would hope that in general, I'm not doing that with anybody, but I'm certainly not doing that with her. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's an element to this where it's just not the case in every single situation. But I think in general, um, we probably are shortchanging connection for conversation. We, We don't have deep connection a deep conversation anymore because we are satisfied with superficiality, um, kind of like she's saying. What do you guys think about that? Would you agree or disagree and why? Yeah, I think there's truth to that um, for the reasons that you said. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I, I think I think there are there is truth to that. Um, I agree with what you said about it's not in every situation. Um, and it's hard for me in this, like I'm, I'm being really honest, it's hard because I... I am the type of person that generally says what I think. Mm. Um, and so, like, I, I don't, 
um, I don't know. This is I'm not bragging. This is in a lot of a lot of times. This is a bad thing, and I do have to slow down at times and make sure that I'm saying what I actually think, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. not just saying uh, like a knee jerk reaction to things. But um, I don't I don't feel like most of my interactions are superficial interactions. I guess that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And when I do when I do spend time interacting. I I feel like I'm happy to go deeper um, than the surface Even online? Level. Yeah, yeah, a fair bit of my online. I mean, you know, I do the I do stuff like just sharing posts and you know, share, you know, quick quick comment, quick happy birthday to someone or something like yeah. that. Sure, I'll do some of those superficial surface level um, things that come up. But you know, I I think we've all been involved in discussions in the pub or slack or right. whatever where yeah. we you know there are other times what i'm saying is there are certainly um contexts in which i feel like i'm more than willing to to go deeper and and to have a more in-depth conversation that does require me to say what i really think about something and to push back on something or to take yeah. pushback from someone on something like i and so i think that this blanket i just wouldn't want to talk about it as a blanket rule of like yeah technology no. makes everyone superficial i guess that's right. what i'm pushing back right on. yeah 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 that's kind of what i was trying to clarify earlier I'm, I'm not trying to make it a blanket rule it might sound like that so appreciate the mm-hmm. the clarification there for my sake at least and and to be um, clear as the token uh against tech neutrality uh person uh, i would i would <laughs> Wait, just wait. I would agree with whatever Craig said. Agree, right? <laughs> trying to think. Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Technology does not make us robots, right? It, it makes yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. But we have to be aware of the certain tendencies that we can fall into when we're using certain tech products. And I see this stuff in myself all the time. And I got to make sure that I'm, you know, paying attention to the fact that, you know, am I still pay- paying attention to people? Um, there will be times when, like, I'll sometimes go in cycles where, right, where I'll go for, like, there will be a week where I'm just, the entire week I'm on my phone, and then I'll just, like, this is awful. I need to stop doing this, and then I will hardly spend any time on my phone yep. at all. And Yeah, it's sort of a pendulum swing. I can, I can relate to that. So Yeah, I can relate to that, too. Continual examination of this stuff is healthy. Um, that doesn't mean that we yep. are automatically shoehorned into doing these things it just means that these are it takes work right it does it's just gonna happen to you right i mean it's kind of like holiness and obedience like it's not just gonna happen to you you have to like put forward effort in sanctification right And, and we know biblically that it's god working in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure, of course of course that's true mm-hmm. but it's not something that doesn't take effort on our part right I think maybe two things in response to what you said, Greg, and in general, I don't disagree. I think maybe um, the example of the pub and and even you uh, might be the exception that proves the rule, because it sounds like in your life, the church is being the church, which is awesome. Um, Like, I would hope that, and this sort of leads me into point two, I find that I have to fight for intimacy with people in like a deep relationship kind of way, uh, both with Christian friends and with non-Christian friends. And I, and I want both. Like I, if I want to, with Christian friends, if I want to perform the one another's of the New Testament, uh, love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, all of those things, that takes deep relationship. Like you cannot rebuke somebody who you're not in deep relationship with if you expect it to go at all decently, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, so like I got to have that sort of level of intimacy with Christian friends. I also need to have it with non-Christian friends in the sense that like, I want to be around people who don't know Jesus so I can introduce them to him. Um, mm. but man, they're not going to really care what I have to say <laughs> if I don't have at least some <laughs> semblance of, of relationship with them. And I'm not talking about, um, contact evangelism or street preaching at the moment. So just for a second, let's understand that that's a different topic, a different category. And, and let me make, that point. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I have to fight for intimacy because naturally I don't want that. I want to run and hide in my own closet and do my own thing and listen to my podcasts and sermons and read my books and not ever talk to people because that's just like part of my sinful nature. Um, and maybe folks who are listening can relate and maybe they can't, but if they can't, I hope it's because, like I said earlier, the church is being the church and we are fighting for those things and, and seeing that happen. And that's awesome. I want to celebrate that. Praise God. Yeah, and so I, I I would um I guess clarify what I was clarify my clarification in <laughs> saying that um 
like that's a great point. And so I would uh, say that I feel like my often my online interactions, I, I would say that they're fairly genuine. Like like I said, you know, gave examples of, and it's, I've seen it from you guys as well of being willing to go deeper. But um, I certainly think that offline, um, you know, working like Ben said, it takes work. Like working for intimacy. Um, fighting for intimacy uh, and that that side of things actually, you know, forcing a switch off at a, at a certain point um, so that the offline relationship can be enhanced. Um, that's the thing that I, that's probably where my struggle is more so than the issue of, am I presenting the real me online? Do you know what, mm. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I would sense. certainly um, see that I have a lot of work to do at times in that second area of um, online versus offline um, exchange, I guess. Yeah. Hardcore relate to that. One final thing that, that she mentioned that I thought, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, she had like almost the second half of the talk or like half of the second half of the talk. It was kind of weaved throughout was about the topic of aloneness and like people being or feeling lonely. And then, um, she, her sort of take on that was we need to cultivate a positive, like, attitude of towards solitude and like see it as a good thing and and gain from it um and i don't i'd love to dialogue with her over that um because i'm not entirely sure what she meant but it sounded sort of weird <laughs> this is kind of what i said sort yeah. of smelled earlier it was like i don't know what's wrong with this but something seems weird or off and craig you said you had that same uh, inclination what what did you kind of mean there um well, it was. I think it was the language she was using around uh, what she meant by the importance of solitude. I think so. She was saying like um, that she has learned to. I think this is what she was saying that she's learned to uh, embrace the need for solitude in each person's life, um, and that, that as humans we are created. Like obviously, you know, she was talking about. She's a person who's heavily involved in the tech world, but she also sees a need in her life for times of solitude. And I can identify with that. I think Jesus was, you know, set an example for us in that. Uh, we've talked about it before where he took time to go and get away from crowds and pray and um, just be alone or at least be away from big groups of people uh, just to recharge and refresh. And um, and so for us as Christians, I can see, you know, yeah, that is valuable and we need to spend time in the word and in prayer and things like that. But then the language she was started to use was the thing of, you know, we need to find ourselves um, in, in our solitude and those kinds of things. Um, and I think that sort of, that's when I started going, hmm, this smells, this smells worldly to me because that language of finding ourselves often turns into there's like a, I, I have seen in the secular world a selfishness that comes with that well, where I, this is just what I need to do to feel comfortable in, in my own skin and, and sometimes that can mean um, disconnecting or it can mean trampling on other people to make yourself feel comfortable or to you know or destroying um, the way that you were brought up because you're finding yourself. Um, it can mean all sorts of things to different people but I've seen it, that be a destructive phrase um, and so I, I guess I agree dialogue would, with her would be helpful just to clarify what she was meaning by that. I think a, a big part of finding ourselves is spending time in the word and seeing what God says about us and what our identity, who our, like what our identity is in Christ. Um, I think another great way to find yourself is in a church um, because we are created for uh, relationships and we are created to be part of a family. Um, God's instituted families, and I think he's instituted um, nuclear families, but also uh, church families for a reason. Uh, and part of that reason is to um, is to help form the identity of the, of the people um, who are part of that body, if that makes sense. So that's kind of where I went. Mm, I, it's, I can see that there, she's right. There is value in solitude to an extent, um, but there's also danger in the way that she's talking about the solitude, I thought. Yeah, one of the, I don't know if this is a direct quote, but this is what I wrote down. We feel like aloneness is a problem to be solved. So either that was said or something like that was said in the talk. Mm -hmm. And I, I immediately thought, wait a minute, it is not good for man to be alone. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> it seems like there's a sense in which the Lord thinks aloneness is a problem to be solved. You <laughs> That's know, so, long-term and she aloneness, was, though, right? What's that? That's long-term aloneness. Yeah, well, sure. But I just meant, and that's why I said there's a sense in which, but I just mean, yeah. she was saying it's bad that we think aloneness is a problem to be solved, so so be in solitude more and see the benefit of that. And I was like, mm, I don't think that's quite, like, I think you might have um, identified an issue, but don't have the right solution. Like, the, the solution that the Lord provides is community, specifically a wife that, that uh, Eve has created for Adam, because it's not good for Adam to be alone. And um, I think, you know, being created by a triune God, a, a God who is a community of being, we might say, um, means that we, like him, are um, made to be in community. Um, he's obviously not made, but uh, his making us makes us made to be in community in, in one sense. And so I think your point about joining a church is absolutely critical for anybody who's following Jesus. I think the example of Jesus going away for solitude Um, maybe I might just add, he doesn't go away to be alone. Um, solitude, if it just means the state of being alone, um, that's not quite, quite what we're looking for. Jesus goes away to be with his father. Uh, Mm, He goes away from the crowds and from other people to, to be with God. And so Christian solitude would be not, um, uh, ontologically alone, but instead to go away in relationship with God and spend time with the Lord and, um, be renewed, like you said, um, by him, you could say for the Christian, there's no such thing as absolute solitude. Sure, yeah, that'd be good. Because your times of solitude should be times that you're spending with God. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any records this week? I do. Um, I'm going to recommend a service that I've used once in the past, about three years ago, and I actually used it again this morning. Um, it's called Mosaic, and you can find it on the App Store. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to their website and also iTunes, but I just want to give a quick rundown on what it actually is because um, I think it's a really cool service. So I'm into photography, but as like, you know, a hobby, but I also do it for work quite a lot. Um, and, but this is for anyone. Like, if you just, want a coffee table photo book if you've been in a holiday if you want to give a gift to someone for christmas and you've got some cool photos that you want to share or photos from a wedding that you went to and you want to give it to the bride and groom or whatever it is um these are really cool photo books so basically uh they've created it to be really simple and and seamless you don't even need to create an account it's just um you put in your email address when you put in the order and and so it sort of automatically creates a a tie for that photo book to that email address. Um, so I, I deleted the app, redownloaded it, and it remembers that three years ago I ordered a, a book through them. Basically, you just choose 20 photos that are on your phone or iPad, um, and then you can uh, – it, it creates a preview of the book, um, so a 20-page book. Uh, the front has little cutout windows, um, and these are nicely bound sort of you know, cloth-bound books or whatever. Um, you can read more about the quality uh, on, online, but they're, they're pretty good for what they are. Um, they're $25 Australian, I think it is, or $25 each um, anyway. Uh, and, yeah, they, they ship, they say within the US, you get them within four days of ordering um, or something like that. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, but essentially on the front, there's four, yeah, there's a bunch of windows that kind of show some of the little snippets of what the pictures are, and then you open up and there's sort of larger pictures on each page. Um, so they come in a really nicely packaged cardboard box with the mosaic window thing cut out over the top as like a slide on thing to hold it all together. Um, so yeah, for the price, they're, they're good quality and just a cool little keepsake or a present, um, for someone. So yeah, check it out. And I'm going to recommend a person and his name is Tim Challies. First off, I just think he's really cool and solidly reformed. and his blog has been a real blessing to me and a lot of people I know. Um, uh, this recommendation is a little timely because on the day we're recording this, it is actually his 40th birthday. So happy birthday to Mr. Tim Challies. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Yeah, for any, for any new listeners, episode. yeah, yeah, it was. That was one of my favorites episodes. I think it was maybe the most clarifying for exactly what we want to be about. Um, for any listeners who are new and maybe didn't hear that episode or even just want to go re-listen, which I might do this week, um, that was episode 46 of Tech Reformation, and the title's just Tim Challies. So feel free to check out his website and that episode. There will be links in the show notes. 
And if you would like to contact us, you can connect with us in our Slack team at slack.techreformation.com. That's where we got all the wonderful conversation uh, that fueled this topic this week. Um, So thank you all for being so great as to talk to us and each other and create a great community that we honestly don't really have to moderate a whole lot. Um, Yes. It's... (laughs) It's just such a blessing to us and uh, to, to see all y'all having a good time in there. So go check it out. Join the community. Slack.techreformation.com And you can visit our website, techreformation.com. Uh, there's tags there. You can search for a term that's of interest to you and hopefully you'll find an episode that has touched on that topic at least in some way. Um, that's updated every week with our new episodes. There's also links to Slack there. Uh, so if you haven't joined the Slack yet, you can find it through our website, techreformation.com. And you can also donate if you would like to help keep the podcast running. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. That was funny. Cannibalization jokes. I, I didn't hear that. Sorry. What'd you say? Oh, okay. Oh, I just think I think that no, like no, no, an no, indestructible you, camera. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Not you. I heard you. Yeah. And, and then you put po- you pointed at Skype to say not you. No, oh, not you. <laughs> <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> you. <laughs> not you two. Both of you. Uh, Derek, cut that out. Um, 